1: This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
0: When you live in a dry and thirsty land, the coming of the rain is like life from the dead. In today's program, we're going to see that God is going to bring life where there was death with the latter rain. Our series is entitled, The Coming King. Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of our larger Understanding the Bible series. We're focusing on what is called the latter rain. Now, for those from the more Pentecostal charismatic persuasion, they would understand this term. But what is it, and what did it mean in the time of the Bible? Because, of course, that is of the utmost importance if we're going to understand God's Word we need to look at it from the point of view of those who first received it Zechariah is a phenomenal prophetic book it tells us in detail about the first and second coming of Messiah as well as the kingdom that he's going to institute it really is like a major prophet even though it's classed among the minor prophets And again, let's not think of major and minor prophets of the Old Testament somehow a great pecking order. The major ones are the important ones and the minor ones are not. The truth is, they're all important. Even the shortest book in the Bible is of the utmost importance. We believe it's a complete unit, not just to the 66 books, but right down to the very words and letters. They're all there, we believe, by divine design. And not only that. We believe the same God who can do anything, who fills heaven and earth, the same Lord that inspired the word is able to protect the word and to watch over his word and to perform his word, meaning fulfillment of prophecy, which is something God does very well and something, frankly, that's very unique to the God of the Bible, giving predictive prophecies and then fulfilling them as a sign that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. We are looking at the time for the latter rain, remembering that the latter rain is the big downpour, the shot in the arm given to the harvest so that it plumps up the wheat and gets everything ready to be gathered in. It not only applies to the Holy Land in their winter rains, their winter agriculture, and then their springtime harvest, but it also applies spiritually too. We believe that there will be a latter rain, as Acts 2.17 speaks, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days preceding the coming of the Lord. This is something to look forward to. Now, our range of verses is Zechariah 10, 1-6. And Zechariah 10 is a chapter of great promise. When we get into chapter 11, the whole scene will make a dramatic left turn talking about the rejection of the king messiah that is to come and he comes of course around 500 years later from the time of zechariah but let's keep it positive for now here zechariah 10 verse 1 reads ask of the lord rain in the time of the latter rain so the lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. This is an interesting command. In the time of the latter rain or the season of rain, God is saying, ask me for rain. Don't just take it for granted. Don't just presume. Seek me and seek me diligently, knowing that I, the Lord, according to Hebrews eleven six, am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And if you seek God, for an outpouring of the Spirit, for renewal, for restoration, for revival. It sounds like he will answer that prayer. He will not only give fluffy white clouds. The showers will come down, the grass will become green, and everything will be better because we took the time. Indeed, we had zeal for seeking God's outpouring. Friends, I've said this so much. What the Western world desperately needs above all else is revival. It's the only solution for the problems we face. And if we seek God diligently in this time of the latter rain, good news, he will give it to us. Now I want to read to you from the entire passage of Zechariah 10 verses 1 to 6. Again, it's Zechariah 10 verses 1 to 6. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together, and they shall be as mighty men, which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they shall fight, because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded." And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them again to the place, them, for I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off, for I am the Lord their God, and will hear them. This is Zechariah chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. Our lesson here is called, It's Time for the Latter Rain. Now friends, I want you to take particularly close attention to these verses that are being shared because just as you hear Zechariah speaking to the people of his day around the 5th century BC, this is exactly where we're at today. We are at a time of the latter rain and we need to seek God for the latter rain, which really represents an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival. When this happens, it can change everything. Not only for us as individuals, not only for us as churches, but also for our community, our nation, and indeed the world. We need and we should be desiring and we should be diligently seeking for the latter rain. So in Zechariah 10 verse 1, Israel is told to ask God for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now here's a little meteorological lesson. In the Holy Land... The winter season is also the same as the rainy season. So what is winter from, let's say, December to March? It begins with the former rain, this rainy season, around September, October. Then there is the rain season, and it's concluded by the latter rain, which is in April or May. So think of this six-month period, September to October, former rain can come. Then that kickstarts the rainy season, which is the same as their northern winter And then finally is the latter rain, April and May. What is of interest is that the former and the latter rain together constitute around 25% of the annual rainfall. In one sense, that's a lot because each of these rains is like over 10% of the whole rainfall for the year. And there is a correlation between the former and latter rain and the rain season to church history itself. Put it to you this way. We believe the church was born on the day of Pentecost, as outlined in Acts chapter 2. This day of Pentecost was like the former rain, which comes down on the land, softens the earth, and prepares it to be plowed and seeded. And then throughout church history, there were periodic visitations of revival. This is over a period of 2,000 years. But we believe in fulfillment of Acts chapter 2, verse 17 that just before the end before the lord returns and brings his kingdom there'll be a latter rain just as it is in the holy land and this latter rain is a universal outpouring of the holy spirit because on the day of pentecost there was an outpouring of holy spirit and it happened on the approximately 120 disciples of jesus who all happened to be jewish israelites But this latter-day outpouring will not be limited to Jewish believers. It will be, as it were, on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. That's why, just as Judah was invited to pray for rain in the time of the latter rain, God is now telling us to do the same, to pray for revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit a outbreak of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom and causes us to depart from evil. And if we do all that, he will bring the bright clouds, showers of rain, and grass in the field. Now we go from this wonderful exhortation to talking about idols and diviners. Let me read Zechariah 10, verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams they comfort in vain therefore they went their way as a flock they were troubled because there was no shepherd now false religion false prophets false teachers false christs all of these of course are prophesied in the last days they lead people to vanity which really means iniquity and delusion The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the rebellious, the unbelieving, they will reject the good news and therefore they will have a strong spirit of delusion on them and they will believe the lies far more than they will believe truth. They really brought it on themselves. So the flock of God, meaning the the sheep, went its own way because there was no shepherd. If you smite the shepherd, then the sheep will also scatter. So this is what's happened, and it's of the utmost importance, friends. Let's talk about our own situation today. We, first of all, need shepherds, real shepherds, real pastors, pastors who will take care of the flock. And look, there's all kinds of labels out there, but we don't need CEOs. There's plenty of them in the business world. We need shepherds, people who are connected to God, who love the sheep, who lead, feed, and guide the sheep. They're not hirelings doing the ministry just because they need a meal ticket. After all, if you want that, there's more lucrative ways for meal tickets. No, they do the ministry because they have wisely responded to the call of God, they live in the fear of the Lord, they get the blessings of the Lord because of that, and they literally love and care for the sheep. Now, if we're going to love and care for God's people, the sheep, then there's something else. We need to have a high view of Scripture, not a low view, not thinking it's just a assortment of ancient stories, fairy tales, fables, and uh, allegories. It's not that, and it doesn't just contain the Word of God. No, no. It is the Word of God. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, verse 21. The whole thing. It's all inspired. It's all profitable. And the reason we take this view is because it's the very view of the Savior himself. He said repeatedly, The Scripture must be fulfilled. The Scripture cannot be broken. And we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Take the high view of Scripture Teach the whole counsel of God to the people and make sure you also welcome the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're in danger of becoming pharisaical or legalistic. The Holy Spirit brings liberty. The Holy Spirit quickens God's word and the Holy Spirit is in harmony with God's word because he's the one that inspired it in the first place. Failure to do these things will cause the flock to wander and especially to wander into the arms of false prophets and false teachers who will lead them astray. Zechariah 10, verse 3, God is going to take action against all this nonsense. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. So God's anger will be aroused by false shepherds, and he will punish the goats, which could be referring to foreign nations who defy God and oppressed his people. God visited the flock of Judah and prepared them as a horse for the battle. Now, backing up for a moment, if you don't have sound pastors and shepherds, if you don't teach the whole counsel of God, if you don't welcome the Holy Spirit and let him have his way in the church, then what happens is people will be starving. People will be dried out because they're not drinking of the rivers of living water. So guess what? They wander and they wander, as I said earlier, into the realm of the idols and the diviners, people who are offering a spiritual experience, but it has nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with the Christian faith. It's an alternative thing. And then, well, it's not going to be a pretty picture. So God takes action. He is aroused. He will visit the flock he will prepare them as the battle. And then in verse 4 of Zechariah 10 there's an amazing promise. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. The corner we believe is actually the cornerstone. Judah will bring forth the cornerstone, namely the Messiah, the Christ. As prophesied in Isaiah 28:16, Ephesians 2:10 or actually 2:20 and 1st Peter 2 Verses 6 to 8. The Messiah, the cornerstone, will also be like the tent peg, bringing stability and security. He will also be the bow and the ruler, the oppressors and despots together, because God's solution will be his Messiah, who will in many ways be like a one-man army. Which leads us to Zechariah 10, verse 5. And they shall be as mighty men, which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they shall fight, because the Lord is with them, and the rulers on horses shall be confounded. So these rulers raised up shall tread down the enemies in the mud of the street. Also, they will God will be with them to confound and defeat the riders on horses." So there will be a response from God raising up, well, pretty tough guys out there to oppress the oppressors. These are the mighty men. And then finally, in Zechariah 10, verse 6, Judah is strengthened. Let me read it. And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. And I will bring them again to place them, for I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off, For I am the Lord, their God, and will hear them. God will strengthen Judah and save Joseph. Now, what this means, Judah, of course, represents the main tribe and the southern kingdom of Judah, and Joseph actually represents the northern kingdom of Israel, Ephraim, the ten tribes that broke away from the house of David in the days of Rehoboam, son of Solomon. Well, God's going to save them both. He's going to bring the two, shall we say, divisions of the promised people or chosen people into one. He will bring them again to place them back in the land or take them from exile and bring restoration to their home. God's mercy on Judah and Joseph will be so great, it will seem as if they were never ever rejected or ejected from the land. God will hear them and he will be their God. Now that sounds like a total restoration. Our lesson is called, It's Time for the Latter Rain. And our lesson for life is this, pray for a spiritual latter rain and God will bring down an outpouring of redemption, renewal, and revival all at once. I will repeat pray for a spiritual ladder rain and God will bring down an outpouring of redemption, renewal, and revival all at once. Remember to sign up for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e letter by going to our homepage. Issachar will help you to become future ready through articles on Scripture, Victorious Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. You can also visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you in Jesus' name that it's time for the latter rain. Let your people be diligent seekers that you will pour out revival, which will bring healing and restoration to our land and can help solve many, many problems. We thank you for this prospect and let us take full advantage of it through Jesus Christ, our Lord.